This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. Today's episode is brought to you by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Discovered is definitely the coolest magazine around. They cover so many bands that uh, other publications just don't. And uh, I love them for it. Support Discovered. You won't regret it. Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bohm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 89 and I am so excited to announce that my guest this week is Britty Drake. Britty Drake plays in the band Pity Sex who just announced a reunion show happening this summer at Sound and Fury, which is happening July 30th and 31st at Exposition Park. They just announced the lineup and it is on sale now. Um, I'm excited that this got to happen. I uh, I really like Britty. I've known her for a really long time. Um, back in the early Touche DIY days, she let us play her basement a couple times. Then all of a sudden she's in this great band, making great records, doing cool tours. And um, yeah, just co- a cool full circle moment having her on the show. So uh, this is really fun. But before we get to that conversation, I would like to remind you that there is a bonus episode available right now where Britty answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon to hear that. Depending on what tier you subscribe to, you'll be able to submit questions to upcoming guests, hear a bunch of bonus episodes, become a member of the Discord channel, all sorts of stuff. And overall, it just really helps support the show, which I appreciate a whole lot. Um, I'd also like to shout out my sponsor, Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label? Or maybe you just want to get some merch for fun. You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band first started, and he was our go-to guy. You can uh, check out what they have to offer if you visit anchorfishprinting.com. Hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. Also, one more thing before we uh, hop to this interview. If you have not subscribed to the show on iTunes or Spotify or, or wherever you're listening to this, it helps a lot. Obviously, leaving a positive rating and review like every other podcast asks you to do helps a lot as well. 
All right, here's my conversation with the awesome, the wonderful, the talented, Britty Drake. Hey, Britty, how are you? Hi, I'm really good. I'm really excited to be here. This is uh, this is so fun. I, uh, I, you know, I say this to a lot of a lot of friends when they come on, where it's like I have this long list of people that I'm like, I know I'm gonna have to bug them at some point. I want them to come on. I want to hang out with them on the show. And um, this is obviously a great, a great, uh, a great reason to. So this is we're recording this obviously uh, during the week, but this Friday is when Sound and Fury announces that you're playing. So this will obviously be That's out right. after that happens. Yes. Um, so the big reveal is uh, has already now happened. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous because it's been a long time since we've played together, um, and also just like. Uh, yeah, I guess I can be honest, like a little bit nervous about reception too, because when you've been gone for a long time from something, it can feel like, you know, does anyone even care about this anymore? Um, so, you know, we'll see how how all of that goes. But yeah, I think the overall feeling is just excited. I mean, even just seeing the response of the tease should let you know that you're in a good place, you know? <laughs> I hope, I hope. No, I, th- I think it's I think people are going to be really thrilled. I think what you also have on your site. I mean, look, regardless of of anything, everybody always loves it when someone gets back together to play because yeah. uh, everybody loves nostalgia, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially these last couple of years, people more so than I think ever are so ready to embrace all the things that made them happy before all of these rough times. Yeah. So you have that on your side, too, or, you know, you just everyone's going to be thrilled. I'm I'll thrilled. take it. I'm thrilled too. I'll take anything. I, I want everyone to just have some fun and, you know, it will be nice for us to get back together. We haven't seen each other since, I don't even know, um, probably since he, our last show together. Yeah. Cause I know. Yeah. Cause they, I, I know you had left and then they played, uh, shows without you. So what was the last show? Where was that last show that you played with them? Was it in Michigan? It was, it was actually in Grand Rapids. So throwback. Oh. Nice. Uh, it was with Best Coast, and it just happened. It wasn't like, yeah, I want my last show to be with Best Coast. Um, that would have been great either way. I would love that. But um, <laughs> it was uh, kind of one of those things where I knew that I had to leave um, just because I couldn't do some of the tours that they were planning, and you know, life stuff was, was coming up where it wouldn't have been, it, it would have been holding them back from doing a lot of really exciting stuff that they really wanted to do. And, uh, that was a show that we had planned. And I just kind of was like, Hey, why don't we just make this a last show so that we don't have to keep kind of going back and forth on whether or not we can do stuff. Totally. Was it, I'm assuming since it was with best coast, was it, it probably wasn't at pyramid scheme. Right? It actually was at the pyramid scheme. I know. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm, yeah. so I, I'm, at least it was probably a place that you had played before too. So it like felt a little more comforting to be like in your space and your place where you've been living. You're not from Grand Rapids originally, are you? I can't remember. No, I'm not actually. I'm from like the smallest town, Grand Ledge, um, which is near Lansing, Michigan. So okay. I lived there, grew up in that area. And then when I was about 18, moved to Grand Rapids. Okay. Uh, there's a Paul Barabo EP oh, called Grand Ledge. Is it named yes, after that? Yes, that's right. Yeah. He's, he's from Grand Ledge. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
I, I think was, I was he's from like, Grand Ledge. I might be wrong, I, but that's Even a, if he's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yes. Um, but the, I know the, of that, and I learned of that after I'd actually already moved, um, and was like, "Oh, that's you know just a coincidence, I guess." And then I looked into it a little bit more. So I believe he's from Grand Ledge, but I guess maybe somebody will let us know if we're wrong about that. Yeah. As soon as you said those words, I was like, "I know those words," and I was like, "Oh wait, that's just that's a record. That's a record." Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, the first question I usually ask musicians is when you were growing up, uh, when was the first time you connected with music in a way that felt like it was yours? Maybe something that wasn't Ooh. being played in the house, but something that actually like maybe you found on your own. Mm. Yeah, it's a good question because I feel like there's so many moments where you kind of find the music that really speaks to you and, um, it's easy to think of the things that are a little bit more recent, obviously. And by more recent, I mean, relatively speaking, because there's many of those moments and um, I'm just closer to those teenage years than I am to some of those younger years. And I know there was a lot of music playing or not a lot of music playing in my house, but a lot of the music that I still listen to today is stuff that, you know, my dad was listening to. So it's hard to separate like when, when did I start to be able to like even download music? Because that became something during my youth um, that sure. we didn't have access to. So it wasn't like, oh, you know what? I can, you know, I, I can remember it very distinctly. Um, my, I remember being a kid in a Meyer. If anyone listening is from the Midwest, they know how amazing Meyer is. Um, it's a grocery store. Yeah. Are you even- familiar? <laughs> I am. Yes. I, it's funny. I, it's weird when I think because of touring, this happens when you, mm-hmm. when you think of the logo before you think of the, what it is, you're yeah. like, I know that logo. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, please. Uh, favorite grocery store. I almost got a Meyer tattoo, but that's an unrelated <laughs> story. I love Meyer. Um, so I was in a Meyer with my dad getting a prescription and the CDs were next to the pharmacy. And I just remember a Hootie and the Blowfish uh, CD that he got for me because I was like, oh, I know this song. You know, I've heard it. I was still in the cart, you know, when they put babies in a in the cart to like, yeah. you know, you know, like a little cart stroller thing. Um, right. So I was young enough that I was still in that cart thingy. And I guess I'm aging myself by saying how, how old I was when Hootie and the Blowfish came out. But uh, yeah, that was the first thing that I remember, like a first CD that I remember asking for and getting uh, for myself and not something that we just already had laying around the house. Sure. I'm trying to remind me, what's this? What's the single? It's, oh my uh, God, there's so many singles, but I only want to be with you. Yes. Yeah. That's, that is one of those songs that, I'm t- you know, <laughs> when you're a kid and you hear it over and over, it's like, you know, or maybe you're some sort of uh, you've decided you have a kind of music that you like, so you rebel against. So I remember that song being one of those like, oh, I can't stand this. But now when you're older, you hear it back. You're like, it's not a bad song. <laughs> it's it's actually, bad song. if you listen back to that whole, I mean, it was a CD for me, but that whole record, there's some really amazing like craftsmanship that went into some of those songs. It's, I believe it's it. Good. What was, uh, what was the first concert you went to? Uh, Britney Spears. Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually Britney Spears and InSync together. Um, Holy shit, flex. 
big, huge arena, super high up in the, in the crowd or whatever. So we were very yeah. far away. We brought binoculars. That's how far away we were. It was Incredible. very, yeah. Uh, but that was my first, like, you know, concert. Yeah. I, there's probably, you know, if we're going to talk smaller shows, there's definitely a different answer. But when it comes to concerts, that's the first one. Yeah. I mean, well, also that's, that's, that's good. That had to have been the most exciting night of your life. Cause I'm imagining that that was like the height of their popularity. I can imagine how loud that audience was of just screaming children. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Wow. You wow. hit it spot on. Yeah. Uh, do you remember, do you remember much from that show? Like, do you have like vivid memories? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I remember my mom being like, her name is Brittany and your name is also Brittany. And I just remember being like, okay, thanks for pointing that out, mom. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> that stands out to me for some reason, but I, I mean, like in terms of the music, just, I, I remember feeling like, are they even singing? Right. That, yeah. that realization came to me when, when I was watching them because they're obviously dancing and moving yeah. around a lot. And I was like, this sounds just like what we hear recorded. Uh -huh. so I don't really understand. Are they actually singing right now? And recognize that was like a recognition moment for me that that's not how live music works in that realm. Totally. Um, it's interesting you had that call from that far away with binoculars. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is, this might be bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, wait a minute. They're not actually like the, yeah. what they're doing right now doesn't match up with what I'm hearing. Yeah. Totally. And it it's also funny. just, it sounded Someone, like exactly what you hear on the radio. So. Oh, right. Yeah. Someone recently just uh, reposted like Spice Girls playing on all that or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you watch that performance and so many people are like, I remember watching this. I remember watching this. And then you watch it now and you're like, oh my God, that is the most lip syncy, mm -hmm. you know, but you're, when you're a young kid and you're watching that, that doesn't matter to you. You're just there because you're, or you're watching because you're just a big fan of those, of them as people. Act, yeah. I was like, just thrilled to be here, thrilled to be in their presence, even though it was obviously so far away. I yeah. also remember being like, I wish everyone would stop singing along because I can't really hear them. Like, <laughs> even though recognizing now, like, obviously it didn't matter because it was just right. like listening to the CD. But I remember totally. being like, I can't hear them over everyone singing, which is a fine thing to do. But yeah, that was, you know, I don't even know how old I was. I was in elementary school. So elementary sure. school, me being frustrated by other folks singing along to NSYNC and Britney Spears. I get it. That's, that's a cool first concert though. Absolutely. Uh, what about, uh, as you're alluding to, like, what about like, uh, a more intimate show, like a rock show or something like yeah. that that you saw and you, uh, do yeah. you remember what year of that was? I don't remember the year, but I, well, I was in high school. So, um, 2000s um, era. Um, I remember going to see X Looking Forward X. I think I still have the flyer um, at a venue called Skeletones in Grand Rapids too, um, which was like the, you know, there was the DAC. Um, I'm just going to name things because I That's enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, most people don't know what these are, but um, there's the DAC and then there's also skeletons and skeletons did shows um they actually just came back after a long hiatus of not being a thing uh it was like a coffee shop and then there would be like shows in the back area so um 
that was like the spot that we would go to for any band that was coming through, except for, you know, like really big bands, like, I don't know, like As I Lay Dying and stuff like that would be like another venue down the road, but they were all very close together. And I remember going to see X Looking Forward X um, as my first show there uh, very vividly and being kind of like uh, blown away by what I was wit- witnessing and a, and a part of because it was so different from, you know, obviously in sync, but also just being from a small town and not really seeing things like that happening. Um, what, very different. What, yeah. What brought you to that show? Did you have like a friend uh, that was like, you should come along or were you discovering like punk and hardcore on your own? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what, I, I think we, it was me and my friend Hera. Um, again, just going to name drop people in case anything <laughs> rings a bell. Yeah, it was me and her and she and I had like, we were in high school, you know, together and um, she and I were like very close uh, and she had like introduced me to a couple of bands that I had not heard of before and uh, And we started noticing like, oh, like this band is playing in this area, you know, or, you know, close, close enough by. And I think this was one of the first shows that we just recognized. Like, I think there was like a MySpace. It wasn't like a board, but it was like a thing on MySpace. I would say like when shows are happening and where they are. And because we were in such a small town, no one was coming there. And we had just gotten to an age where like our parents would let us go to something kind of farther away And so I think we just were able to finally convince our parents to let us go to, I think my mom drove us. Um, We didn't have our licenses or anything like that, but we'd convinced her to let us go to this show based on probably one of those MySpace posts where we were like, oh, this band that we both like is playing and went there because we didn't know anyone in Grand Rapids at that point in our lives. Um, And you just mentioned that that venue uh, is back. Like, is it, the same space or is it, did they move locations? Yeah, no, I, I think it's the same spot that it, it was. I know. So they have like this upstairs area now where it's still a coffee shop. I think, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I haven't lived there in many, many years now, but when I lived there and even when I was in Ann Arbor, which is closer, the upstairs was a coffee shop. Um, they changed it to be called the Euclid after it was sold and they still did shows downstairs. So you could still go see bands, um, in the downstairs area, which was like a basement, but, um, you know, they had like a big stage. So they like expanded and then that part definitely closed. I don't know if the coffee shop closed, but now I'm, my understanding is that they just opened up like maybe a couple months ago again for shows and it's in that downstairs area again. Oh, that's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. All my memories of going to Grand Rapids was always either playing at your house or yeah. then all of a sudden there's the pyramid scheme. So there was like no in between. So it's cool that there's, there's the in between now between a, a playing a house show and then a place that's, you know, a bigger cap. Um, I'm sure yeah. we'll get to, playing your house uh, eventually here um was uh so at what point did you start playing an instrument yeah so well I've always been uh like very loved singing you know that's just been um like literally as soon as I can remember my parents have like uh you know videotapes of me being like just I want to sing and always wanting to 
to do that in the car or you know, at home, like I remember very vividly being in the bathroom and my parents must have been stifling so much laughter because I remember being like in there, we had this bathroom that had a lot of echo oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, I can like hear myself in here. So be like really loudly singing um, Disney songs in there when I was very, very young. So that's always been a thing that I enjoyed doing. And I always wanted to make music, but I also was like, I don't feel comfortable on a stage by myself um, or with other people, like just singing because I don't know what to do with my hands. Like there's a lot of like, you know, just like social discomfort around, oh, you get it. I'm sure you you have some sort of understanding of like how much pressure that is. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And that um, just didn't feel like something that was like in my skill set. Did you do choir in like school? Yeah. I was okay, always so at least in with that, choir. You can hide with people. You can like get into a group and, and at least that, did that help? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I loved, you know, choir was like the only class in high school where I actually went to class. <laughs> um, and also, you know, was really invested in like learning new things in choir. So yeah, that was always a big part of my life. I also did singing lessons as a kid. And like that part of that was being involved in like a, basically a chorus or like a, a, a choir where we would also do like some dancing with that, but I hated the dancing part. So I was like, <laughs> you know, get me out of here. But I loved the singing part of it. And I liked doing like the solos. But again, I was like, I feel so uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with my hands. You just have to stand here in front of judges and sing. And it just feels like I wanted something to hide behind. And so when I started learning guitar, uh, it was out of a kind of like a desire to just have something to hide behind instead of being the one thing that's right there. And I don't have anything to, you know, cover up with almost. So that was my reason for wanting to learn guitar. I had a couple of friends who also played it. And obviously I was getting into punk and hardcore. So I was like, you know, it'd be cool to be able to learn this instrument that it's so based around. And that was when I was like probably 15 or 16, but I didn't stick with it really. I just like learned a couple of songs and then got like, okay at those songs, still pretty terrible. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, it's hard to stick with things when you're not good at them. And then it wasn't until I was about 20, maybe 19 or 18, uh, that's a broad range, but who knows where yeah. I wanted to be in this band. Um, so it was procession and they were like, okay, well, can you, you know, play keyboard? And I was like, no, I can't do that, but I'll, you know, learn if you really want. And then they were like, well, you could also play guitar. And I was like, well, I have a guitar. I sort of can play it and kind of oversold my ability <laughs> in that domain and then I was like, well, I guess I have to learn it now. And that was when I ended up actually really okay. learning how to play it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I uh, when I was thinking about this interview and thinking about talking to you and, and everything, I was like going back and I was like, I feel like there was overlap with Fat Band and Pity Sex in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So how long had like when you joined Procession, uh, Procession like how long with you joining that before that cassette came out, like, was it pretty close together or 
because I remember I had that cassette, the the fade cassette. I was even looking. Oh I'm yeah, sure it's somewhere. On, it's some. It's somewhere in my collection somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that. I remember that, and I was almost trying to remember if you if we played together in your in your basement. I, I, I don't remember. think so. Okay. No, I'm pretty sure we didn't play. Because uh, I, because I also, yeah. it, I outgrew it because it was a small, but I also had one of your shirts. Yeah, and I, I remember. And that, and that's where I was like, did I get that when did we play together or did I just ask for that when we played at your house? Yeah, I honestly don't remember because I'm 90% sure we didn't play. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, mixed bills aren't weird in small smaller towns, but sure. I don't think we played that. But, yeah. Uh, how so, long? Okay. So, yeah, yeah my, question is, my, my question was, so when you joined that band, like how much time was there between you like getting comfortable on guitar and then like mm-hmm. did you record on that ep or that cassette and like what was no. that all kind of quick okay yeah yeah so i didn't i didn't play guitar on that at all um oh did i because there was actually a cd before that that we put out oh and oh, that wow. i definitely didn't play on at all because i was like you know just really getting started and it was also um you know it, it was just a different style than I had even like started learning because I had started learning a lot of, like I was saying, you know, just punk and hardcore stuff. And it's just very different. So at that point I was very much not proficient enough to record something. And also the other guitar player, Graham is a wizard. So it's like, why would I even try if we have Graham here who can do it? Um, but I might have played on one or two of those songs on that EP because, or on that um, cassette, because at that point I had started like writing and contributing um, to the, you know, specific songs. Uh, and those at some point we recorded, but I can't remember because we had actually re-recorded some of them. So it might've been the um, like LP version of, of those songs. And remind me, because my brain is broken, did you sing in that band at all or did you just play guitar? I sang it. So it was like my, it was my way to, again, I was like, I don't, I want to sing in the band. They were looking for, you know, a female vocalist. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was actually really good friends with Graham at the time and had mentioned multiple times, like, we should do music together. We should do me. And he was always like, you know, we want a female, um, Folk, or I've always wanted to, you know, play with a female vocalist. Like, that's just what I've envisioned. And he had given me, like, a demo tape that he had created with some of the songs. And then I just started writing lyrics over it. So the guitar, ah. again, here was, like, to necess- uh, my way of, like, not Hiding. having, yeah, not having <laughs> yeah. to be in front of a crowd without something in front of me. Um, and that, yeah, so, so then- that... Go ahead. So, so then how was the first time playing? Like, how was the first show for you? so bad (laughs) (laughs) I mean like I don't think anyone noticed but I was terrible for sure I was terrible um like I mean Graham is amazing he he sat with me and multiple times and would just like be like this is the this is how we play this song uh and the stuff he he wrote was so hard too it's not like easy (laughs) you know, like power chords or something that you could just pick up and be like, oh yeah, I totally got it. Like this, 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 this. He wrote some really hard stuff where even now I'm like, why are we using jazz chords? Like, I don't, 
you know, I'm like, what, you know, bar chords and I'm just struggling to play, you know, traditional chords. But he would sit with me and I think the other hard part was I could play the songs without singing. But once you add the singing to it, it's this extra layer of like rhythm matching up with what you're singing and, and having to do two things at once. It's this extra challenge. So you would sit with me for literally hours and just play the songs together so that I would get down a rhythm where I would feel comfortable actually playing them in front of people. But then the nerves happen once you're in front of a big crowd. And so I probably sucked so terribly, but my guitar was probably quiet enough that nobody noticed over Graham's, you know, like blasting um, guitar. So it was fine, but it was probably pretty bad. Today's episode is brought to you by Death Wish, Inc., For 20 years, Deathwish has been the go-to label for emerging punk and hardcore. That continues today with their recent releases from scene staples and promising newcomers such as Modern Life is War, Greet Death, Chastity, Converge, Frail Body, and more. Get 10% off all Deathwish music and merch in their store using the link deathwishinc.com slash thefirstever, which automatically applies the discount and filters the site for only items included. Again, that is 10% off all Deathwish releases and merch when you visit deathwishinc.com slash the first ever. Have you checked out those new Greek death songs? Jesus, that band is good. Start there. Did that band play a lot of shows? Yeah, we, we did um, a lot of shows. I mean, local shows, obviously. And then we also did do a tour or two. Um, just like not big tours, not like full U.S. tour, but we did a lot of, you know, uh, East Coast stuff where we'd like go down to Florida and then make it all the way back up. And, you know, that was a good run. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, then we'll jump to that question. What what was that first tour? The first one, I think, was, I think that would have, oh, some of my memories are blending together, but I think that was our tour where we just went to the East Coast. So we went through, um, Maybe Boston. Oh, we did like Bethlehem, maybe like on the okay. way out in Pennsylvania. Uh, and then down the East Coast, I think we probably played like, yeah, we played North Carolina, I remember. Um, and then probably one other spot in between. I don't remember playing South Carolina, probably like Atlanta. And then Gainesville. I remember that one really specifically. Was it for and like then- Fest or something? No, no, it was just like we knew people in Gainesville. So, you know, through Fest that we could book um, a tour around. And then we also, I remember going to Birmingham was really specific. Because if you go like from Gainesville to Birmingham, then it's just a straight shot up. And so probably like Kentucky and stuff in there too. Uh, What what do you take away from that memory? Like, do you, did you enjoy the tour? Was it? uh, Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were just in. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun. Um, you know, my friend Dom, who I'm sure, you know, Dom from true love and he's my damn neighbor now. Is he? You're that close. We're in Glendale together. (laughs) I mean, I guess Glendale is such a small, you know, it's a small world. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I, I throw neighbor out there as if we're like 
down the street. I think sure. he's probably he's probably a mile and a half away. But yeah, we got we got coffee a couple of weeks ago. For LA, that's very close. Like LA totally. area. Yeah. Totally. Yes. I love Dom. So he came with us because I think nice. we used his band Damages at the time. Mm, um, yeah. They had a van, so we used their van to go on the tour. And I think Dom came with us like as our merch person. Not that we needed one, but, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. do you want to come with? Uh, that was just really fun to be able to, like, go with a bunch of friends see places for the first time. I don't think I had ever been to like New York or Boston or any of these other places before then. So it was a really, you know, my first time being outside of even Grand Rapids seemed like a big city to me. I, you know, I was like, this is giant. I can't believe it. There's, you know, people everywhere that it's like, it felt like skyscrapers and they're like, 10, 10 story buildings, but they felt so big to me coming from such a small town. So to go to places like New York and Boston and, and Philadelphia along the way, it just felt like, I can't believe I'm, I'm able to be here with right. something I love doing and playing music. That's, uh, you know, it comes up a lot on the show, but it's, it's so real, like where, you know, I often say like, the best life hack possibly is just like if you start a band like it's it's a great way to end up seeing places you never thought you could because totally you're not doing it on your own you're like it's like you and some friends figuring out a way uh, you know maybe against you know uh the better better fiscal judgment of making right. it happen but like you know, it's it's a one for all, all for one sort of situation where you get to go and you get to see these places. And and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an incredible thing that gets to happen. Um, did uh, so how close. So then talk to me about when Pity Sex started, because yeah, it would have been around the same time. Like it, it, and I also like that with you feeling, you know, overwhelmed and nervous about all your stuff with, with that band that you thought oh, I'll start another band, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so Procession, like. Procession, we never really intended to like stop being a band. I don't think like it, it just, uh, it was kind of harder on us. Um, I think Graham moved away. So Graham moved to Germany, um, for a couple of years or maybe a year. I don't know. It felt like a very long time. Uh, and so, you know, he was such a staple that it was like, well, we can't really continue without him. Uh, and I think that was like one of the reasons that we ended up not really doing a hiatus. I mean, we technically never broke up and technically I'm supposed to record vocals that I've been supposed to record for like a decade at this point. Um, <laughs> they were recorded and then they were lost. Oh, no, and so yeah. like, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh yeah, I'll redo it at some point. So, you know, it's not really ever ended, but it was kind of slowing down a bit. And I was moving to Ann Arbor and I was good friends with, uh, I was actually moving in with Sean and Brennan and uh, I think Brandon was also going to move in with us. He might have moved in after the fact, though. Can't, it doesn't matter. Point being, I was moving to Ann Arbor because I was going to be at University of Michigan. And I was a fan of Pity Sex because they were already a band. Actually, before I joined, they had put out a tape that they bury because they're embarrassed of it. It's super Midwestern emo, like... Oh, I love it. It's, it's, it's like uh, the, it's like the split with, uh, Brave Bird. Brave is that Bird. What it's called? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yes. Okay, so I didn't know. So I, I had a quite I have that in my notes, and I was like, I don't know that I knew about this. So you don't play on that. I'm not on that at all. But it was in my car. I it was like the only CD that I listened to, uh, and I listened to it frequently. I was a big fan, and then. You know, I'd known them from their other band, too, I should say. Uh, they played in Direwolf together, which is a hardcore band with John Hine, who also is an L.A. person now. Oh, my God. I didn't realize yeah. I didn't realize that that there was that connection. Interesting. Yeah. OK. OK. So, I mean, he was in this band with Brennan and Sean, and they had played in my basement a bunch. They and Damages. It was like, those are the two that are going to be playing because, you know, they were the two big bands in that area, you know, local bands, they were the metal frat band, all of that stuff. And I was moving to Ann Arbor, going to move in with them. And they were like, Hey, you know, we actually could use another guitarist and singer in our band. And I was like, Oh, sign me up. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say. It would yeah. dream come true. I'd love to play music with you. And also because I'm a big fan of pity sex already, it was like, this perfect um, meeting of worlds where, you know, we were already going to be moving in together. It would be super easy to practice. We had a basement we could practice in. And that's how I ended up in that band. But we also didn't like end procession at that point. I think there was a time where it was actually like I was still playing procession shows a little bit, but then it just, you know, one kind of took off a little bit more. And something I wanted to ask you about, because it's fun to always talk about like first experiences, first experiences with, with uh, record labels. So there's a label called Forward that also that put out yeah. a pity sex, the first the the original pressing of Dark World, but then also the yeah. Procession LP. Yeah. So what I didn't know that I read is that it's a subsidiary of uh, Deranged, which is interesting. Yep. Um, that label from Canada, but even though I saw this label's like from the Midwest anyway, yeah. uh, how did that come your way? And what was that experience for you? I genuinely don't remember. I'm like, how did that happen? I think it was just, I'm assuming they're just fans of you because it's both of the bands you were in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was me. I think it was more like they liked procession. And so maybe we played in Minneapolis or something. I think they're from Min Minneapolis. Minnesota or something. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and so I think maybe we had played in Minneapolis and gotten to know them a little bit. And then, you know, we as Procession, we had just been self-releasing everything. And so somebody saying, hey, can we release this for you? was like, yeah, we would love that. And then when Pity Sex was a thing, like releasing Dark World, we had just recorded it and uh we're looking for somebody anybody to put it out and i think i was like hey i have this connection uh they mentioned they might be interested at some point and we just reached out and said hey are you down to put this out and then it happened yeah yeah they said we're huge pretty drake fans we are <laughs> down to do it. um so i i saw you recorded the the um the dark world record uh was recorded by, is it a member of Pity Sex, Chris? Is that a member of Pity Sex or is that a member of Brave Bird? No, Brave Bird. Yeah, that's Brave Chris Lou. He's he's a, yeah, he's the the Brave Bird guy, the the singer, guitarist. Okay. And so by the time you were doing the uh, the Pity Sex stuff, like when it came to recording, um, were you starting to get more comfortable recording or had you already felt comfortable recording? Um, what Like what was that for you? Because we didn't really get into your first experience recording. Yeah. No, I definitely, I mean, here's, it's interesting because recording, 
I had already recorded in like a studio with Procession a couple of times, and that was maybe a little bit easier on me for a couple of reasons, which I not related to Chris because Chris is amazing, uh, but more because um, the vocals for Procession were were more like in my, it felt like a little bit more like in my range, but also like style at the time. Um, just something that like felt like a little bit more easy to do where I didn't even do multiple takes. I was just like, all right, I'm just going to sing it. And then we're just get, literally would just sing one take. That's the recording that we're going with. There was no like splicing together or like, let's do the verse and then let's do the, you know, the chorus, like often it is. So that was really easy on me. And also it just, you know, we had all the equipment to do that in a really controlled environment and you can like hear yourself. So all of that made it easy. And then when we were recording with Chris, I thought like, you know, this is going to be super easy. But when it came to doing dog walk, actually, I was like, this is just not, it felt not in my range. And it also felt very like, uh, I'm kind of, I'm like failing to come up with the words to describe why it just didn't like feel like it was working, but I felt really frustrated by it. Like now I think if we did it, it would have been fine. And I would have been like, this is exactly what it's supposed to sound like. I don't need it to totally. be like this yeah. sing songy, uh, you know, like ballad, but it felt like maybe the vocals were falling flat. Um, and I was frustrated by it and we were just like, whatever, we'll just sing it. And, and like, if, if it doesn't sound good in the final recording, we'll just maybe try and do it another day. So in, to answer your question, I had been felt feeling a little bit more comfortable with recording, but then when we did it, the vocal part felt very uncomfortable. To that I can relate to that feeling for sure. Like, um, and I'm someone who, obviously just yells 95% of the time, but the few times when I like sang on stuff, um, especially I'll even say, especially covers, like mm -hmm. we recently did a guided by voices cover and mm -hmm. we recorded the music and then I was like, all right, time to do vocals. And I was like, holy shit, this is not in my range at all. Yeah. Like I can't, I actually can't do this. So that, then I was like, well, I guess the only way to remedy this is I'm just going to yell it mm -hmm. without any sort of harmony. And then we just brought in Barry from Joyce Manor because we're like, hey, you like Guided by Voices. Why don't you do the singing part? Because I was like, this is just not in my... And it's like, I understand that feeling you're talking about of feeling defeated where you're like, yeah. where you're like uh, uh, wait, but it's... I thought it... Or like, it sucks when you think it... When you know it works in your head. Yeah. But then you go to do it and you're like, how is it not the same? Like, the, I understand that frustration. Yeah, it just felt like what what I'm hearing is not what I wanted to hear. Totally. It, it was this very strange experience of being really excited to finally put down what we had been working on, but also to feel like, wow. Um, you know, I remember Chris being like, Brittany, do you have a falsetto voice? And I was like, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I thought I did, but apparently not because yeah. it was such a like take after take and me being, he could kind of feel it in the room where I was like, and you also have people looking at you and then you're hearing it back and like you, you, there becomes that point where you're like, you can't, it's hard for you to even hear it with the ears that you need to. Cause you're like, I can't tell if it's right anymore. You know? Yeah. Oh my God. You just took the words out of my mouth. There are so many times writing as well as recording where I, 
you know, I like something and then I listen back to it and I, it's like, I can't even tell. I've heard it so many times. I've heard it this way so many times. If somebody else did it, I could probably tell if I liked theirs, but I have no idea. There's no objectivity anymore when it comes to listening to myself. And of course there's that, like we're all our harshest critics, but there's another layer of criticism when you're thinking about other people's, you know, interpretations of what you're laying down and really wanting to do justice to something that you're working with other people on. Right. Totally. And there also becomes sort of a a thing where you might have yes people in your corner who are just saying Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah. But like, you need to have that person to tell you like, like to comfort you or to be like, yes, it's right. Or yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, I need a producer. (laughs) I need a producer. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, I guess that's that's a great segue. So uh, then you then Pity Sex obviously ended up going to to Will Yip for a bunch of stuff. Like yeah. after that, he, Will Yip became like the guy for for uh, for the rest of Pity Sex, from what I understand. Yeah. Right. Because he did yeah. the records. He did the EPs, their seven inches mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. How was that relationship when it formed? Like, uh, did you know Will going into it or did you go into that blind and then? only by word of mouth, obviously, because you had friends who probably recorded with them. Right. No, I knew of Will very, very much and was very intimidated going into record, especially because we were flying or I had flown in because I had work um, stuff going on where I couldn't like just do the drive out. And I also couldn't stay the entire time. So I had to just like kind of lay down the stuff that I had to do and then leave. Uh, And, you know, had heard of everything about Will and felt like, wow, this is a real, real studio, real stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And it felt like imposter, like an imposter going in there. And I I even remember being like, I'm going to suck at this. And he's going to know that I, you know, all of, all of the success that we had had up until that point, like what we weren't worthy of it or like, you know, all of the things, these are like the cliche things that people think when they are tasked with something like this. But yeah, it was, um, it was very high pressure. Right. And did you, how long did it take for you to realize that Will is like the most easygoing person in the world? (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I should have continued that statement to say it was very high pressure. And then I got there and I remember, (laughs) I remember walking in and Brennan was recording. Oh my God. And it was like, you know, angels singing. Uh, it was like, uh, he was recording, um, St. John's wart were the vocals. Uh And I was like, that's not him. Is it like, it didn't sound any, it didn't sound like Brennan. It was like, not to say that Brendan can't sing because he can, but I was like, whoa, that sounds right. amazing. And it sounded like something I could only imagine achieving years down the road in terms of like the quality that I was hearing. So I remember feeling like, whoa, if he can sound that good, then, you know, it's going to be fine yeah. very quickly. And then also as we were working together, you know, there was still a couple of moments where I was like, I don't. I'm going to flub this and it's going to be obvious that I suck. And then I would do it and, and Will would just be like, all right, let's clean that one up. And it was not in a, you know, it was a very like, oh, supportive no, environment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I remember when, uh, 
because uh, self defense and touche, we did that collaborative split with Will, and we did yeah. it like in like one. <laughs> when Pat and I came back to do vocals, Pat, there was a song we ended up cutting from it. There was like a third song that ended up never becoming public or whatever. But like Pat was singing it, and Pat was like, and we both know Pat. Obviously, he was <laughs> like, he just kept going, and then you know, Will kept politely being like, yeah, not quite. Let's sit again. And Pat, and Pat was just like. <laughs> I could do this all night, brother. As long as you got time, I will do this for 10 hours straight. Let's go. I'll keep doing it. You just let me know when it finally gets right. It was so oh. funny. <laughs> That's a great uh, attitude to have. I wish I could say that that was my attitude, but I definitely, and, and Will is so amazing for, for being willing to sit with, with, uh, with me. Sometimes I was like, are you sure? I thought that sounded really good. <laughs> like, really? We're going to do it. Okay. We'll do it again. But definitely there were some times where I felt like, man, I'm never going to get this take. Like, it's just, it's, let's just cut it. Or maybe it's not, maybe it's not in my range. Maybe we need to cut it. And Will would be like, no, you're going to get it. You just need a couple more tries in that, in this like really supportive way that let us know or let me know. Cause I think everyone else was, had a lot less of this concern about performance than I did um, where I was able to like overcome a lot of the emotional component of feeling defeated and, and just kind of keep going until we got it. And then those wins set you up to be like, okay, if I can feel like I'm not going to get it and then get it, then I know that next time I feel that way, that it's just something I'm feeling in the moment. Well, and there's something too that it's like, obviously from when you were a little kid, like you love singing, you were in choir, you did all stuff. So it's like, I'm sure you have the thing where you're like, I know I can sing. This is like what I've loved doing my whole life. Um, And then sometimes I I don't want to speak for you here, but maybe this is what's happening. What was happening with you? Because the same thing happens with me where um, my anxiety gets the better of me. Mm -hmm. And then I am not thinking about what I'm doing. Like I can't, my head and my mouth are doing the, are are on separate pages because I'm nervous Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what works against me in a lot in those situations. Um, is that something that would was happening with you? Definitely. I think for harmonies in particular, like I, if I know something and I have like that muscle memory, my anxiety doesn't really get in the way I can pretty much do it. But when we're doing harmonies, I would have to like figure out, you know, what is it again? And I have this other note in my head from, you know, the original note that I'm singing. Mm-hmm. So I'd be doing harmonies over myself and it's just so much harder for you to kind of like, yeah, you don't have that muscle memory and, and, uh, the anxiety contributing to that, your heart rate is going and you're just like, okay, I, I have no control anymore. I'm not like focusing on the moment. I'm just thinking about like, I'm probably going to screw this up. And then there's no way that you're you know going to be able to, to get that note when you're, you know, freaking out about, your performance totally totally yeah i remember i uh i went to a vocal like a singing coach like for like three times like three three different class you know whatever and i was terrified um and it was the funniest thing because we would sit together at the piano and she would hit a note and be Mm -hmm. like sing that note and i would like try to be calm and i would hit it and then she would say now hit that note you know do it again and then i would i would try and she'd be like, every time you try, you go like two like octaves higher than you need mm-hmm. to. But she mm-hmm. was like, 
but as soon as I hit this note, like you're going to hit it. So it's like, and so she ended up telling me, she's like, your problem isn't your singing. Your problem is your brain. And I was like, well, well, um, I don't know how to, I I don't know if that's good news. (laughs) Isn't that always how it is though? It's like, everything is, everything comes back to our brains. Yeah. Like the way that we're thinking about it or, you know, the stress of the, of the situation. Yeah. 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 Straight up. Um, so around that time, I mean, obviously you went in to record uh, the the Feast of Love record and was Run for Cover already in, I'm assuming Run for Cover was probably already in place for that. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I mean, bef- sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, was, I mean, yeah. So I was going to ask, like, uh, how did that end up coming your way? Was it uh, was it through all the mutual friends? Like, what do you remember? What do you remember yeah. about that situation? Oh, my God. I uh, Well... So, I mean, my mind was blown first because, I mean, we basically we found some people that we knew from procession stuff and they had put out Dark World. And then, um, you know, all of the sudden and oh, my gosh. So this was all happening very fast where we were doing a couple of shows just like here and there around the Midwest. I think we played in Minneapolis and a couple of other places that like weren't local. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had interest from, I think tiny engines was interested. And so we were like, yeah, let's do it. And then, um, like very soon after that, I think run for cover had reached out to us. And so we were like, again, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, and I think it was citizen who like, told them about us, um, oh. which would make sense because, and this is actually, I'm hearing this through hearsay. So I don't know, no one in citizen has ever like confirmed or denied, but I think it was someone in citizen who had mentioned us to run for cover and then run for cover had reached out to us at that point. And, you know, we were like, yeah, we'll sell, sell all of our souls, you know, whatever. <laughs> there was no question that we wanted to work with run for cover. Yeah. I mean, it's, and especially at that, I mean, there's obviously a a wonderful, great label doing great things, but like at that specific time too, was such a percolating boom of so many bands from your part of the country, from Philadelphia. Um, it was, it was like such a, an exciting, exciting time that, uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine the band landing anywhere else. You know, it was like the perfect timing for everything between what you were doing between will between them, like, uh, it was so it was so cool. And then, you know, from an outside perspective, someone who just knew you uh, from you being so nice to let us play your basement a few times. Um, I was I mean, we were all just so excited. I know I was like our whole band. We were all just so excited to like watch this happening for your band because we all liked you so much that we we're like, yes, hell yeah. Go pretty. You know, Aww, that's so sweet. It did. Um, it really felt like a win. Like, you know, just such a. Yeah, I, I, it still feels kind of like a dream a little bit that that, that all worked out because I, I don't know that we would have done anything um, like, you know, we probably would have still played for a while, but we would have never been able to achieve what we did without Run for Cover um, kind of reaching out to us. Um, was was the when you went back to do the the uh, the White Hot Moon record? Um mm-hmm. Did you have any extra, like, did it feel more comfortable going back in to do that record? Like with, after having the, uh, the feasts experience, like when you went back in, what did you, was it like, 
yeah, I mean, you, you know what I'm asking. Like, yeah. did you feel more comfortable in your skin going in the studio being like, okay, I know what to expect. I know how to, I know how this goes kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I didn't have the same nerves. I also felt like a lot of the, well, you know, to be honest, we're really bad about time management. And so a lot of the stuff that we would record, I'd be like, I still have to finish vocals on this. So this, and that was true for both records where I would, you know, somebody would be tracking something and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, do you have an extra room I can go in to finish writing the vocals or the lyrics for this? I feel like that happened a little bit less with White Hot Moon. So I felt way more confident coming in vocally where I felt like, you know, I can go in and do a just like a take of this and and be able to, you know, get down what, what I was thinking it would sound like. Sure. But we didn't do any pre-production. Like we weren't that type of band. So some, or we would like record a live version of a song and then I would write lyrics to that. But mm-hmm. even then sometimes like we would cut, you know, a, one of one measure and then lyrics are all messed up and I have to like reconfigure them. Um, and so anyway, I'm getting, what I'm getting at is sometimes it felt like the tracking itself was going to be a lot easier if we had all of that, like completely figured out ahead of time. And we just never did. But White Hot Moon, we had it a little bit more solid where I wasn't worried that by the time we got there, you know, things would have changed so much that, I would have to rewrite an entire song lyrically (laughs) or, you know, like cut a a portion that I was like, Oh, that was my favorite part of the song, but I guess we're cutting it now or something like that. Um, it felt like it just made a lot more sense. And also we had that again, muscle memory was there a little bit more where I didn't feel worried about my, or overly concerned with performance. Um, something I, I realized that I, I really appreciated was it seemed like from right when that band started to when it stopped, you all were very active. Like there was something that came out every single year, mm-hmm. whether it was um, an EP, a split seven inch, an LP or whatever. Um, if, looking back hindsight, um, what do you think that was? Like, w- did you all just like constantly feel the need to keep writing or um, what, what do you remember? Yeah. I don't think it was like a, a conscious effort. I think it was more like, we all lived together. And so it was really easy for us to just be like, this is the new song. Do you want to practice? Um, you know, that, that alone just makes, I think, writing a lot easier. Whereas when you don't have that ability to just get together or to hash something out, um, you know, you're just kind of depending on one person, there's always a rate limiting step in that, in that situation. Whereas when you live together, there's this energy that you can feed off of. And in addition to that, you can just be like, Hey, I'm in the mood right now to go like hash out this, this riff that I've been working on. Uh, and are you down to like, tell me what you think of it or like try to write something else with it or like write the next part versus being like, okay, well we scheduled Saturday at noon. So that's the only time we're going to be able to work on this. And I think that's really what helped us write things in a way where we weren't having these really long periods of, of no productivity. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so now obviously we're here present day. Um, have you all been in a room together? Have you played yet or not yet? It's all just been conversations. All just conversations. Well, so one hard part is that Brennan lives in Michigan still, and I live here, um, LA. 
And then Sean actually moved to Austin, but he's moving back to LA. He's going to UCLA Law um, next year. So he's going to move back to the LA area in June. So very soon. But we're going to fly home or not home. I guess it's a home. I don't know. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. We're both going to fly back uh, to Michigan first and practicing. And then also, obviously, Brennan's going to come out here as well. But we haven't been able to actually do that together yet. Okay. It's exciting. So we'll see. Yeah. Do you, ha- do, you have a, do you have a plan when you're trying to go? Yeah. I think June, we're going to try and go out to the Michigan, you know, go to Michigan in June, do some practicing, like really hit it hard. We're all yeah. practicing individually too. Like, obviously, sure. that's something and i've i have played the songs themselves by myself um a couple of times since you know leaving and yeah. they you know they've i don't think sean has played a drum set <laughs> since they broke up he was like i don't own one so i don't know what it's gonna look like for him but uh he he's very hard working i'm sure that he'll be able to pick it up again yeah but yeah we have not been in this in the same room together playing or otherwise just because we've all lived so far away from each other right oh it's so exciting though it's so exciting I'm, it's cool that you've also been keeping up with the songs too because i know when you have time away sometimes when you pick up the guitar again you look at the you're like wait a minute what did i do <laughs> oh brennan and i've been texting and he was like okay so there's a capo on this song okay ah, <laughs> yes yes i'm like um, yes, there's a capo, but also Brennan, don't make it hard on yourself. There's literally tabs online. I consult them all of the time. That's incredible. Like, oh yeah, that's what it is. I'm not gonna, we're... you know, work smarter, not harder. I don't know. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I can't remember how, how f- did, did Pity Sex do much international touring? We, as a, uh, you know, with me, uh, did the UK and then did Australia, oh, nice. but that was really the, in Canada. Hello. Um, yeah. doesn't count the counts. Um, <laughs> those were the only things that I did, but they actually, the reason I had to leave was because of a Japan tour, um, mm. that happened to coincide with when the a- applications for graduate school were due. And I knew I was going to apply that cycle. And I also knew I needed to ask my boss for a letter of recommendation, which is like, you know, one of the main contributors to being selected for um, the type of program I was applying for. And I just couldn't ask him. And then in the same breath, be like, hey, and also I need a a letter of application or not application, letter of recommendation for um, this grad school. You know, it just felt like it wasn't going to work out. And so I actually left because of that Japan tour, but they did that Japan and then another Australia tour without me. That had to have been an incredibly hard uh, crossroads of adulthood decision to make because it's like <sighs> going to Japan or doing what I, you know, what I've been working yeah. towards. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. And I was yeah. really, really lucky that this job was in the industry that I'm in now and I was so lucky that my boss was open to me touring while I was working it. Um, And I was also, you know, for I think the majority of Feast of Love and then also part of White Hot Moon, I was finishing my bachelor's degree um, while working this job that was a full-time job. And 
he was still, you know, my boss was still like, yeah, you know, you can work on the road a little bit, but, you know, don't be gone too long. So we could only do these shorter, shorter tours, but we were still able to make it work where we could do like at least three and a half weeks sometimes where we're able to, you know, do all of the fun stuff associated with touring and getting to see the world while still having this job that got me, you know, obviously where I am now, but still it was hard for me to have the recognition and uh, eventually that, I wasn't going to be able to do that forever. It's hard. And there's, it's such a hard, I, I, I mean, so many people who listen to this know, like having to ask your boss to -hmm. take time off to tour is like Mm -hmm. one of the most uncomfortable things I have to do because not only are you nervous because it's, it's your job that's on the line, but also Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of people are relying on you and that expectation to, get to do that. So, so the culmination of both those feelings, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. 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 And Um, and to be honest, we had a lot of tension between us and pity sex because of me not being able to do the tour. And, you know, a lot of people, to be fair, a lot of people had put in time and energy. It wasn't just the band. It was also like we had a manager at the time and we had our booking agent and they had booked the tour already. And then I was like, you know what guys, I'm actually not going to be able to do the tour. It turns out because the dates that had been booked coincided and it you know, long story short, I was letting down a lot of people. And I think part of me leaving was because I didn't want to face I'm going to get real it's with hard. you. I didn't yeah. want to face the like the the guilt of feeling like I had let down a lot of people by having to prioritize a financially stable future, but this, you know, being in my program is also a dream of mine. You know, music has never to me been something I ever anticipated making money doing it, not in my wildest dreams have I ever thought, yeah, this is how I'm going to make money or this is going to be a career for me. I've always thought of it as something that I, I'm so fortunate to do. And if I do make even, you know, five bucks here and there, that's plenty for me. Um, because it wasn't something I sought out to do long-term. So that being said, um, it was also like, I had to choose between these two dreams. Like, do I want to pursue this like PhD or do I want to pursue music. And I, yeah, if I could go back in time, I'm like, I don't know what I would choose. I still feel really conflicted every once in a while. I'm like, do I want to keep doing what I'm doing? Or do I want to be like, yeah, screw it. Maybe I do just go back into music and I don't have to worry about wearing so many different hats um, all of the time. I think, you know, I think you made the right decision. I think you did because, yeah, because honestly, I mean, like, Cause you're now in this position where you're about to get to play these shows and it's mm-hmm. going to bring everyone together. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. you know, I, I, there's no thing worse than the cliche of everything happens for a reason, but, <laughs> but I mean, like, but honestly, I mean like for you personally, like look where it's led you, you know, you live mm-hmm. out here, you, uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you're with a wonderful, a wonderful partner that, uh, mm-hmm. that I love very much as well. And, yeah. you know, it's like, like I, I think that, I think that all of those decisions led you to where you are. And I think, uh, I think they're all the right ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, there's always the what if, and I try really hard not to live in the what if zone and to focus on the fortune that, 
I have because we could always be thinking like, oh, if I had only done this. Um, and to be frank, you know, my grad school experience has not always been a happy one. There have been a lot of things along the way that I feel like had I known then what I know now, I probably would have, you know, done something similar, but maybe I would have pursued a different institution at times or, you know, I won't go into like excruciating details with that, but there have been times along the way where I was like, I made the wrong choice. This was such a mistake. And I think part of that is just knowing that you're giving up something for something else. There's always going to be this like, did I give up the wrong thing for this other thing? But now coming to the end of it and seeing how the culmination of those decisions, I do see that um, I didn't really have to give up anything. It was just kind of a postpone situation. Sure. I think that, though, you would have continued to have that stress of potentially, you know, like the 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 letting, the feeling, even though it's easy to convince yourself you're letting people down when, you know, maybe people just understand, you know, it's like, it's, there's a lot, it's circumstantial. It's all circumstantial. And, mm-hmm. um, to go to, to comment on the, the thing about the, how hard, you know, like the, the difficulties of the programs have been, it's like, it always just makes you think of the, what's the the saying? Like if, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So, sure, sure. so yeah, I mean, it shows your, uh, it shows your commitment and, uh, and all of that. So again, yeah. I, I I think that that all roads led you to where you are. And yeah. I think everybody is now, you know, uh, anyone who has been a fan of the band is going to be really, really excited to see how this all plays out. I know I am. Yeah, I'm I'm just so fortunate that this is aligning with a time where we can all get back together. And, uh, you know, there's been times where if this had been asked, you know, two years, obviously, aside from COVID, like if we're pretending like that didn't exist, there would have been no way we could have made it work. So it's nice that it is coming back together. And I'm just excited to be able to, like, have fun with uh, Brennan and Sean again, especially because we ended, us, us three in particular, ended together. The three of us kind of ended on a sour note in that it was this like pressure of like, I need to make a decision. Like, is it you or that, you know, it, it felt yeah. a little bit like I chose a career over them, which I think they totally understood and supported. Um, so nothing against, um, yeah. you know, any of us for that decision, but nonetheless, we're now in a place where we can like see everything a little bit more clearly. And we didn't get the chance to like have a real fun time together after that. And now we're going to be able to do that again. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to hit you with the last question. Uh, yeah. When was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? So I'm going to, yeah, I thought about this because I knew you were going to ask because I'm a Patreon. Um, you hero. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it was that show that I sucked so terribly at with Procession. I think that was the time just playing in front of people. Again, I've never had big dreams or aspirations of being a superstar or, you know, being prolific musically, but I did always want to be able to write and um, play my own music for other people in a way that, you know, they're enjoying it, but also engaging in it with me. And that was the first time where I was like, you know, even though I sucked (laughs) at guitar today, I still got the chance to play 
in front of people who were, pay, you know, ostensibly paying attention and and cared. And I think that was, you know, just such a a, a rewarding moment that uh, I look back on so fondly, despite again kind of flubbing a lot guitar wise. Sure, and also as we know, things are always worse to ourselves than they are to people who are watching. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure as soon as the set was done, you put your guitar down, you were maybe going through it in your head a little bit, yeah. and then someone came up to you and said, great show. Totally. I'm sure that's what it was like. I just, you know, when you look back on something and you don't realize maybe what you didn't know at the time, I think that's part of it too, is I'm like, you know, you had no business playing jazz chords. I'm sorry. <laughs> like that was maybe where I was like, even now, sometimes I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that. I, I can't play that song. I'm sorry. I can't play that song. Or like if I'm trying to learn a cover or something, I'm like, okay, I see that chord. I'm just going to close that immediately. I'm not even going to give it a shot. Um, whereas, you know, back then I was like, I can do anything, which is great. That's an awesome mentality to have. But yeah, I think I just am reflecting a little bit more on like what I did and didn't know and recognizing a little bit more that I was shooting very high, aiming very high. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, it's a ch- it's good to challenge yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty, this has been wonderful. I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really nice getting to, to hang out with you and talk to you on here. Uh, I'm excited. I hope I'm in town for when that show happens uh, or I'll be living living through, you know, people's internet posts about it anyway uh you're the best and uh yeah thanks for thanks for hanging out with me thank you for having me it was so nice and that is our show thank you so much to britty for coming on and hanging out and thank you for listening Reminder, there is a bonus episode available right now if you visit patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where Britty answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. And I will see you next week for episode 90.